Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. Although I'm not going to preach on parables today because I'm going to try a different direction. How many of you have heard this passage preached on from 1 Kings? Solomon. Well, David has just died, and Solomon, who is the love child of David and Bathsheba, has just ascended to the throne. Now, just before this passage, Solomon has done something that would have made the readers of this think, what's up, right from the beginning. He married the daughter of Pharaoh. And if you go back to Deuteronomy, there was always a caution around Egypt. After all, they had enslaved the Hebrew people, and there's just a difficult history between these two powers that actually still exists today. There was a warning. Egypt was metaphorically and sometimes literally a symbol of temptation for the Hebrew people. After the Exodus, we hear of them wanting to just go back to where they came from. So to intermarry the daughter of Pharaoh as a political alliance, which is exactly what Solomon has done, already indicates in the context of the Old Testament, in this narrative, that there is already a rot coming from inside the kingdom. Now of all of the great heroes of the Bible, Solomon is not necessarily one of them. He's a human. He is a saint. And he is a sinner. Yes, he does something wonderful in this passage, but that doesn't mean he is this perfect person. You ever heard a preacher say, hey, be like Solomon? Don't. (laughs) He's not necessarily an exemplar of what we are called to be or do. And this passage begins at Gibeon, and something that always gets me is why was he there? Why was he in Gibeon? Well, there were altars all over Israel because the temple had not yet been built. There was a hodgepodge DIY worship happening all over the place. But this also implies because of that that there may have been some worship of other deities there as well. Now Solomon has gone to this high place to offer some huge sacrifice and this is where God appears to him. This is an example of how God in his mercy comes to human beings already in a forgiving attitude. God knows that Solomon has married this Egyptian princess. God knows that Solomon is worshiping where there might be some illicit worship practices happening. And yet God still comes graciously to Solomon and invites him to ask God something. Ask what I shall give you. This is the offer that most people dream about. I mean, come on, you've thought about if you found a genie in a bottle, what you would ask for. I heard someone recently said his 13-year-old son said he'd ask for more wishes, and he said, what if, I couldn't, what if you couldn't ask for more wishes? And he said, ha-ha, I'd ask for more genies. <laughs> See, kids are smarter than we give them credit for. 
But the thing about this question, a question like this reveals the heart. In this moment, you see what, Solom- what makes Solomon righteous. And it is not what he is doing. Rather, there is something of faith inside him. There is something that really trusts and believes God in the midst of it all. Basically, what is revealed here is who he is. And once again, he is a saint and a sinner. It's almost like these passages from Matthew 7 and Luke 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened. It is in these passages that our hearts are opened up. And that question, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has the power to turn our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. And we can say, I trust you, Jesus. But not just with certain things, with my entire life. And that you will see me through this age and the age that is to come. Excuse me. We also see this in our reading from Romans this morning. Now we heard last week about the hope that we cannot see. How does that hope happen? The good news, I guess, but hope is not myself pulling myself up from my own bootstraps and gritting my teeth and trying a little harder. That is not hope because hope comes about by the Spirit. And this is a beautiful passage that talks about how Christians can live in the light of difficulty and suffering. It acknowledges our weakness and that tells us once again we don't even know how to pray. There is a thematic link between these two passages. And it is both Paul and Solomon indicate the humanity of human power. Solomon. Even though he is king, he is wise, he has a fancy pedigree and achievements. But he says, I'm like a child. I don't even know when to get up and go walk around, to go out and to come in. I need help. And here Paul is affirming that same kind of view, that right perspective of human ability. We don't even know how to pray. But God needs to do these things in us, not ourselves. And this is the thread that runs through these passages. One of the beautiful things here as well, if that is in fact true, if human beings are weak, conflicted, and neurotic, and we don't know how to pray, and we don't pray very well when we do, and that's when we have Paul's promise to us. All things work together for good, For those who love God according to his promise. Now this is not prosperity gospel. You will not be able to pay off your mortgage in record time. Your new business venture may not in fact be successful. And all of your children will not turn out perfectly. But what we do know from this passage. Is that God will take care of us. And this is what Paul wants to underline, circle, highlight, and put a gold star next to. That God is doing the work in us. And he will work all things out. 
because he knew you before you were born and he is working in your life right now. He's called you and he has your entire life in his hands. This is what Paul is trying to remind people who are going through a difficult time or struggling. If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes when we pray, the only prayer we have in us is, Ugh. In Jesus' name. Imagine the Spirit interceding for you with groaning too deep for words. Too deep for words in the Greek translation, basically it is an emotion that just comes out of you. I heard a story recently of a man whose daughter, young daughter, was dying. And it was a really long, drawn-out death, long journey and process. And he said all he could pray was, please, Jesus. Please, Jesus. And that was it. This is what the Spirit is doing for you nonstop. And that, my friends, is amazing. Theologian J.I. Packer said that, I love this, God corrects your prayers on the way up. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> also, guess what? We don't need to know how to pray. It is in our groanings and the Spirit intercedes for us. And it's really a great freedom knowing that God is actually praying for you. Even though you may be stammering about in your weakness, what this particular passage is encouraging is that in your weakness, the deepest longing of your heart, whatever they may be, are being poured into the Father's ear by the Spirit. So in your suffering, you can pray boldly and with confidence, which is why Paul says God works out all things for the good. This isn't telling you that everything will be okay. But God is working together in the light of Christ's resurrection, and we know that redemption is ultimately coming. So those things can't ultimately define you. And as J.R. Tolkien said, everything sad will soon, in the age to come, become untrue. Amen. Amen.